In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which I've already read. In the Old Testament, we heard the living voice of God speaking to the people of Israel through our man, the prophet Jeremiah. God had sent Jeremiah to the people of Judah to proclaim to them judgment upon them and warning them of the impending destruction of their city. God's befuddlement over Jerusalem's hardness of heart here is rather astonishing. Had God not chosen their father Abraham out of all the men in the world to be the one from whom the Messiah would be born? Had God not brought these people, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt and made them into a great nation? Had not God chosen Jerusalem to be the one place on earth where he would cause his name to dwell for the salvation of his people? And yet, time and time again, the people of Jerusalem wandered away from God, forgetting them when they were in their pity, or in their plenty, the wonders that God had provided for them. God would send the prophets to call them back, imploring them to repent of their wickedness, and yet the cycle continued to repeat itself on down through history until finally, after many warnings and many urgings to return, God simply handed them over to punishment. Although this part is slightly after our reading from the Old Testament, God says just a few verses later, For behold, I am sending among you serpents, adders that cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you. This seems to be a clear reference to what happened to the wilderness when the people of Israel complained about the manna that God had provided for them. And then Moses interceded as they were being bitten by these snakes, being killed by it. And God gave him instructions to build the bronze serpent so that they could look at it and live. But in this case, God's wrath was coming. There was no intercession to be made, no bronze serpent to come to the rescue. God's judgment was coming to Jerusalem, and the temple itself would also be destroyed and her people carried off into exile. In our gospel reading for today, which happens just after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the very first Palm Sunday, we see God in the flesh lamenting yet again the unfaithfulness of his people. Those in charge of the worship life at the temple, the Sadducees, had largely abandoned the Bible. They didn't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees, the group that we encounter more often in the Bible, the group of theologically astute laymen that were always tangling with Jesus, despite their knowledge of the Bible, still rejected Jesus outright. Perhaps what is even more troubling about the Pharisees, however, is that there are some of the things that they say that sort of indicate to us that they knew exactly who Jesus was, and yet they still rejected him. So what was our Lord's response? Did he threaten? Did he riot? Did he shout nasty things at his opponents? Certainly not. Jesus greeted them with tears. He wept over the city. St. Luke tells us that he weeps in the opening verse of our reading 
But the Greek of this passage, the way it is written, is sort of broken up. Almost like St. Luke was trying to emphasize the sobs that broke up our Lord's words. Our Lord, our, our translation today has Jesus saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. We can also render this, however, as would that you, especially you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. Jesus is the greater Jeremiah, weeping over a city in ruins. But this time, Jesus knows that there will be no more city. In fact, about 40 years after this, Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Romans following a Jewish revolt, and the temple was destroyed, never to be rebuilt again. In fact, if you visit Jerusalem to this day, you can go to the Temple Mount, but it doesn't stand there anymore. It was ruined by the Romans, and it will not be built again. Jesus, with earnestness and tears, urges his people to return to him. Earlier in the gospel, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, desolate. The fault lay not with God and his mercy, but it lay in Jerusalem, who had wholeheartedly rejected her Lord. While he came to bring her peace, to put an end between the war between God and man, they would have none of it. Dear friends in Christ, our texts for today are a warning of the highest degree. It is hard not to see parallels between the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of our cities, but we must remember not to read the Bible with the newspaper in one hand and our word, the Lord's word in the other hand. Our Lord here is trying to make for us a theological point for us to consider, that there is a theological reason for judgment. We heard from St. Paul just a few short weeks ago about how the judgment of God upon the sins of his Old Testament people was written down and preserved for our instruction, that we would see what our sins can actually bring. We also should apply this to Jerusalem in our text for today as well. When God is rejected, the reconciliation that God has undertaken for us in the crucified flesh of Jesus is rejected. Now, while this may be what has possessed and driven those who, bring, who are bringing violence to our nation, the warning is not just for those people out there outside the walls of the church. This is a warning for us, too. St. Paul says in Galatians 3 that you who have been baptized into Christ, you belong to Christ. You have been grafted into the family of Abraham, who is the man of faith. And you are an heir of the promises that God gave to him. The Jewish people rejected their heritage, and now it is yours. But St. Paul warns us not to take that for granted. In Romans chapter 11, St. Paul uses 
the metaphor of a tree and its branches to describe our relationship to Christ. Jesus does the same thing in John 15. But Paul, for his part, likens his Jewish brethren to a dead branch that has been broken off because they were no longer producing the fruit that results from faith. In other words, they had outright rejected the faith. But he turns that analogy back on us too. He says, do not be arrogant toward the branches, the ones that are broken off. If you are, remember, it is not you who supports the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. And so I ask you today, do you, especially you, know the things that make for peace? The devil and the world want to hide them from you. They want you to find peace and security in anything but the things that actually bring peace. They want you to be confident in whether or not you should wear a mask. They want you to be confident in holding a certain political position or holding a scientific thought. It's not so much that they want you to reject religion, but they want to make sure that you hold the right religion and not the religion that's described in the Bible and certainly not the God of Scripture. They will berate you. They will hound you. They will look at your old social media posts. They will go after your children, especially when they go to college. They'll send you to sensitivity training. But in the end, they want you to find peace where there is no peace. They want you to have peace with the world. But what does the Apostle James say? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And so we cannot compromise with the world. We cannot simply retreat because they are bringing the war to us. But God's judgment is coming on the world. If God did not spare Jerusalem, which was his, his temple, the place where he located himself, for more than a thousand years, do not think for a second that he will spare this world. Jesus says, would that you had known the things that make for peace. Dear friends in Christ, your God has already made peace with you. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah preaches to us every year in the Advent season. He says, comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So where is the peace that God has made? Well, St. Paul says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses 
by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He says in another place, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. People loved by God, Jesus is your peace with God. Just as the Christmas angels sang it, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he has come to this place to preach to you that peace into your ears. The name of Jesus that was once placed upon you in the waters of holy baptism, that is traced upon you every time you hear it, is a word of peace. The word of absolution that you heard at the beginning of this service is a word of peace. The Holy Supper that is placed here before you is the peace of the Lord that is placed into your mouths that it may become a piece of you. Jerusalem may not have known the time of her visitation, but you do. And that is why you have come to this place. Here, Jesus visits us not in wrath, but to bring to us the peace of God which passes all understanding. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.